Thank you, Kevin. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. That's a sermon title by, or a book title by John Orberg. It's kind of along the same lines. It's a good book. Uh, well, uh, we are uh, so uh, grateful to be together, see uh, many new faces, familiar faces. It's good to worship together this morning. I've been uh, wrestling with uh, the book of Deuteronomy. When I, uh, when I thought about the new year and I was like, you know what, I'm going to tackle the book of Deuteronomy. Um, I wish somebody would have been there to say, you dummy, this is a hard book. <laughs> um, uh, so I've been debating about the approach on this particular text, and uh, we're in Deuteronomy 4. It's a long chapter, and, uh, you know, I was just like, I'm not really sure what to do, so we're just going to see what happens. How does that sound? Nothing like that introduction to really excite you for a sermon, I know. Like, gee, this is going to go well. And go ahead and get the hook out or the tomatoes ready. But uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, reminding ourselves once again, the Israelites are at the crossing of, an, of a border. This is, this is something entirely new. Uh, they have never experienced what they're about to enter into. They have been wandering their entire lives, most of them, uh, for 40 years. And now they're finally embarking into a place where God is going to do incredible things for them. And the person who has brought them on this journey is Moses. And uh, Moses speaks to them uh, in the most helpful way possible. And as I was just analyzing this text and just thinking about the heart of a preacher is to help his people. Uh, and that's what Moses is doing. He's trying to help them. He's saying, you are going into something entirely new, something that you've never experienced before. And I need to remind you of just how faithful God has been to you and just how faithful God will be for you and with you and merciful for you when you enter into the new land. So he is, with this sort of grandfatherly advice, looking at his friends and his family, and he's saying to them, God is going to be with you, and he cares deeply for you. He's giving you what he's promised, and so listen up. And what I love and appreciate about Moses is that there's not really this bitterness to him. If you look in Deuteronomy 4, uh, 21, it says, the Lord was angry with me because of you. And he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. Moses doesn't get to go in, yet he's stuck with them. And I, there's something uh, incredible about Moses just in that, just from a human level. If I were to say to you, hey, by the way, I want you to wander around with these people for the next 40 years, and all they're going to do is complain and not appreciate you, but I want you to keep doing this, okay? I want you to stick with this job, and by the way, there's no real pay for you, and uh, no one will appreciate you. Your feet might hurt at the end of every single day, and you're going to have, you know, 30 different problems come up with, for you from thousands and thousands of people. How does that job sound to you all? all right, yeah, parenthood, there we go. <laughs> the, uh, doesn't, it doesn't sound like the most appealing thing. 
But Moses loves the Israelites. He's been tasked with leading them to the promised land. And despite the little hint of, I don't get to go in because of you, he still is there with them. And he says, I want you to hear this because I want you to hear it not only for you, but also for your children. I want you to know that this is going to matter for your kids, and you're going to need to tell these stories over and over again. The reason why we have this written for us is because their children pass it on to the next children and theirs to the next. Because what God has revealed to people, what God has revealed about himself, it's It's not something that we should forget or neglect or take for granted. And Moses knows this. He knows that God is doing something special in the world through this people Israel. And Moses, despite all of the problems and all of the complaints, and despite the fact that he wouldn't enter into the promised land, he knows he has seen something and been witness to and privy to something that no one else or very few others have. And it's the presence of God making itself evident right before him. As Moses says, you guys are like a nation like no other. That you, you can look at all of the gods and all of creation. You can look at all of the things that have happened, of all the gods that are worshipped and all of these things and all the nations that have ever risen, and there's no nation like this nation Israel. No one has this relationship with their God where God comes down and is present with you. No one gets that, but you have. And so you stand on the other side of the Jordan as this special, unique people in which God has walked with you in his presence and with his mighty power. And I am telling you, this is Moses, I'm telling you that this God loves you and he loves his an- your ancestors and he's calling you to this promised land. And so then there's this sort of sense what is it that they should do what is it that the israelites should be about what should matter to them what what is the most critical of things and uh, and the whole thing the whole chapter is wonderful and i just want to open with the beginning of chapter four now israel hear the decrees and laws i'm about to teach you Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Don't add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them into the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all the decrees and say, Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us Whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart. 
as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the days you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb and when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my word so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice and he declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, commandments which he commanded you to follow. And then he wrote them on two stone tablets and the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws. You are to follow into the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Moses points out a couple of things. He says, you guys remember Baal Peor? You guys know that story, right? It goes way back. No, it's okay. I had to look it up too. It's in numbers. The, uh, the folks, they turned from the Lord. The men married Moabite women. They gave themselves into immorality, and God said, everyone who's turned away from me, they're going to die. It's a real cheerful story. I can't believe we haven't hit it in all the Sunday school classes. <laughs> Let's make sure all the kids know this story. There's a point to it. There's a point to it. God was making sure that their hearts were undivided, that their hearts were given to God only, that there were very real consequences. And so Moses says, remember what ha happened at, in, in Peor. But all of you who held steadfast and faithfully to the Lord, you're all still standing here today and you get to enjoy the promise. So keep holding fast and remember that there are consequences to sin, there are consequences to a divided heart with God, and there are consequences still today when we don't give our loyalty and love to Jesus only. There are consequences. And so Moses is encouraging them to remember the seriousness of God, but also he, he calls them to remember God's faithfulness. That God was present and with them, that God appeared to them in a special way and calls them this unique and set-apart nation. And he says something that I think that we miss. God gives his law in part because God's law is better than the other nation's laws. The people would look at the nation of Israel and they would see God as, uh, as Israel as a wise and understanding nation. Like, hey, they know how to do things. They, they are doing it right. Hey, it's good not to, you know, obliterate people. It's good to have eye for eye and tooth for tooth so we don't go too crazy. These laws are good. And so people would look at them as wise and understanding. But I also think that the law served another purpose. And I think this is the thing that we often miss. I believe this, the law served as a purpose of identifying them as a people in special relationship with their God. The law was the way to show that they were in relationship with the God, of, the God of Israel. It was a way of saying, hey, these are my folks, these are my people, and I'm in relationship with them. And I think that sometimes we get mixed up in that and we think that the way that they have the relationship is by the length and breadth in which they follow the law. 
And it's God's law, it's God's covenant that he's saying, I have a relationship with you and I'm with you. And there's a little nuance there, but I think that it reminds me that it's not all about my effort. It's about what God has done to say, I want a relationship with you and this is how you have it. And it's an important distinction for us because as we jump into the New Testament, as we look forward to what God is doing through Jesus Christ to fulfill the law, he's fulfilling what is required for us to have a relationship with him. As I reflect on Deuteronomy 4, there's a hundred different directions. We can talk about the Ten Commandments, we can talk about a variety of different things, but I would ultimately want to land with the hope in which Moses lives out his life and the work of Moses to say, let's bring these people to this place and let's give them all that they need to know to live this life that God's calling them to have. I want us to end with sort of God's compassion that's on display through Moses, this reminder of God's steadfast faithfulness to him. He says, when you guys go in there, I want you to remember that God's presence goes with you, that his power is with you, that he will help you and care for you. There's a tension in my life, and maybe you have this tension. One of the things that I've discovered about myself is I struggle with unconditional love. I don't know if you struggle with that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of conditions on love. And so when people tell me about the unconditional love of God, I have a, dif- I have a difficult time with that. Because in relationships, if we're honest, there's a lot of conditions on our relationship. Performance-based, have you done enough for me that I can love and care for you in return. A lot of, I have a lot of struggles with that. I realized this over the last year, that I have a hard time with it. And so when I read the Bible, and we're told about the merciful and faithful love of God, I have a hard time reconciling it. I have a hard time understanding and identifying it. There's this tension in the story. It's right at the beginning. God says he's going to, uh, if Moses says, if you will obey the commandments and go in and take possession of it, God is giving it to you. And so the tension is, is, well, do I have to obey to get? So is God giving it to me? Is it a gift or is it a conditional relationship? And so I have this tension and frustration, and I don't actually honestly have a very good answer. Because I think that I want something for nothing sometimes. And then when we contrast it with the New Testament and the benevolent love of God and Jesus Christ and his love pouring out for us and God crucified on the cross for us and pouring out his life for you and me, that's unconditional love. 
God taking all the conditions of sinfulness and brokenness and hurt and suffering and taking it all and all the sin and all the brokenness and all the death and Jesus is on the cross for you and for me. And so there's this tension in the Bible that I don't like because I want to wrap my head around it and I don't get it. The sort of universal love of God and his grace and his mercy for you. And I realized on a plane this week, that's right, I went to Florida and I came back. I thought about not coming back. I wouldn't have gotten to Florida if I didn't get on the plane. And I know that that is so simple. But if you don't trust in Jesus, if you don't trust in God's word, if you don't choose to believe in him, what happens? And this is the wrestling match with God. This tension. And we can judge about the fairness and the equity of God's love and put ourselves in positions and many preachers have stood in a pulpit to say who gets in and who gets out. I need a pay raise to figure out who's in and who's out. It's definitely above my pay grade. And so what I'll say is this. The word of God says obey and love and seek him. And the book of Deuteronomy is there because these people held fast and they stayed true to God. I don't know who's in and who's out, but I know the people who stood on the other side of the Jordan River were the ones who didn't have a divided heart. And they loved the Lord and they sought him. And I know the temptation to have a divided heart. Divided attention on God and his love and his commitment to me and my commitment to him. And the one who fails in that relationship, well, it's, it's here. But the love of God is true. And it's this tension that the folks who go in are the ones who have held fast and stayed true to the Lord. And it seems like that message is true still today. So don't give, up, don't give up on Jesus, even when it seems like it's wandering and you're not sure about what tomorrow will bring. Don't give up on Jesus. He's brought you this far and he'll cross you over. Don't give up on Jesus. He's the one who can walk you through to the other side. And as much as we failed him, Moses, as much as the Israelites failed Moses, Moses stayed by their side. How much more true is it that Jesus will stay by ours? You're not going to be 100%. And there's conditions on your love, but there's no conditions on God's. He sent us on to redeem and save each and every one of us. And so the book of Deuteronomy is about observing 
and staying faithful and keeping our eyes fixed on God. I would encourage you to keep the faith and know that Jesus will see you through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And it's okay that we wrestle sometimes. As we wrestle with Jacob, like Jacob, as we wrestle like Israel, to know that you are faithful and true. God, you revealed yourself in a special way to the Israelites. And you revealed to us your whole self in your son, Jesus Christ. And so we praise you and thank you that we know something about the world. That you are true and you are good and you are loving and you are kind and you are faithful. And God, we've lost track. And we've concerned our hearts and our minds with so many things that are so far from you. So bring us back to you. As we stand on the border and looking, looking heavenward, fixing our eyes on your kingdom and new creation and new life. As we look towards heaven, we look towards you. And we know that Jesus is alive and Jesus is true and Jesus is good. And that your spirit is here leading and caring for each and every one of us. God, open our hearts and our minds today. To know that your presence is with us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And help us in this hour of need to know that you are Lord and King. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I've really enjoyed uh, writing some devotions uh, for you all. Uh, I'm not writing them necessarily for myself, though it's been beneficial for me. And I want to encourage you uh, to find them. I've posted them on the family page. Uh, on Facebook, and then uh, there's a there should be uh, ways that if you just text me, I'll send you a link. Um, but I'm just trying to encourage you to read the Bible and uh, and to see some connections and be encouraged. Uh, I think that we need as much encouragement as possible. I am increasingly excited about what God will do with us in 2021. I know that we're standing uh, on the other side of something that we're not really sure what, what the other side will bring. But the point would be that we would stay steadfast and true, fixing our hearts on Christ. We don't know what the end of all of the craziness will be. We don't know what the end of this week will bring. And certainly there's monumental things uh, in the eyes of the world and their nations are happening. But the kingdom of God, we are assured in Hebrews, cannot be shaken. And the people of God, we put our faith on the foundation of Christ. There's no dethroning of Jesus this week. And so we know that he is Lord and he is King. So I just pray that you'd be encouraged. If there's something going on in your life, uh, just let us know what's happening. Help us be of encouragement to one another. We love and we appreciate all of you. Let's stand and, and sing and celebrate, knowing that Christ is Lord and he's faithful to each of us. Mm -hmm.